Welcome to the C3 Church podcast. Here at church, we are passionate about people and helping them in their walk with God. We hope this Sunday message speaks to you today. So the movie that I've picked for you today is a classic from the early 2000s, and um, it's called The Devil Wears Prada. Ooh. Now, I didn't think about the fact that that might be controversial in church as a name, um, but it is not about the devil. <laughs> it is about a young protagonist called Andy Sachs who is desperate to be a super serious, hard-hitting journalist. And so in order for her to make a name for herself, she has to start at the bottom. So she gets a job as an assistant in a high-end fashion magazine to the editor-in-chief, Miranda Priestley, who is known as the devil that wears Prada. And um, basically, we're going to watch as Andy is determined to become a part of the world that she wants to be in without losing herself. And it's totally gonna work because that's how movies work. You, you start at the beginning and everything is fine and it just continues, right? There's never any drama or climactic moments or, or moments of choice. But no, what actually happens is that about a third of the way through the movie, Andy, who is determined to keep wearing her unfashionable clothes and have no particular opinion about anything in the fashion industry, gets a very serious dressing down, pun intended, from her um, editor-in-chief when she makes some sarcastic comment about color choices during a photo shoot. And Andy realizes if she's gonna be part of this world, she's gonna have to make some sort of change which is when this happens. I have no idea why Miranda hired her. Me neither. The other day we were in the beauty department yeah. and she held up the shoe and wore eyelash curler and said, what is this? <laughs> I mean, I just knew from the moment I saw her, she was going to be a complete and utter disaster. Miranda Priestley's office? No, actually, she's not available, but I'll leave word. Okay, thanks, bye. Are you wearing the, the Chanel boots? Yeah, I am. You look good. can tell that working relationship is going really well. Um, so Andy has had a makeover. She has decided to buy into the idea of being interested in fashion, but she's not gonna change on the inside because that's how that is gonna work. She's going to look the part, but she's gonna maintain her personal integrity. It must be difficult when living in a world where there are so many expectations placed upon you and everybody looks in a particular way and talks in a particular way and it's different to who you are. It must be difficult to maintain who you are in a world like that. I don't know if any of us can relate. Well, when I moved here uh, to England from South Africa at the end of 2014, I decided that I wanted to be a new version of myself. I have always been known as a somewhat talkative, excitable, kind of extroverted individual. And sometimes I've been told that I was a bit too talkative that I took up a bit too much space, that I should probably be a bit quieter, not be so present um, and visible in the world that I was living. And so when I moved to England, I decided it was time for Sarah 2.0. This Sarah was not too talkative. 
This Sarah listened more than she spoke. This Sarah was not excited about absolutely everything, especially the seasons of the year or an exciting movie or anytime anything vaguely fun happened ever. She was gonna be calm and collected and cool, which were not really words that had ever been described for her before. So I get to England, I am applying for the job as youth pastor here at C3, and I have lunch just before my, like day before my interview with the Campbell family um, and some of the leaders in the church to get to know people, and I'm like, this is my moment. I'm gonna set such a cool precedent for Sarah 2.0. And I was really proud of myself, didn't talk too much, paid a lot of attention, was present but not over the top. It turns out actually how I came across was like nervous and quiet and you know, not unsure of myself, which were the exact opposite to how I was feeling, but I was so determined to be a different version of myself to who I actually was that I lost the parts of myself in that moment that made me me. Fast forward a few days to youth, I've got the job, which is great, and um, I'm going to youth for the first time and I've been asked to plan the game. So, <laughs> I'm competitive, a bit, a lot. Um, this comes up in most of my preachers, I think, but it is a core part of who I am. And so what happened was we played a game and it was guys versus girls. And to cut a long story short, one of the guy leaders just really antagonized me. And as a result, like Sarah 2.0, out the window. Sarah 1.0 was right there with the banter and the arguments because the boys were cheating, which I just cannot abide by. Um, and I can't remember who won probably because I didn't, but <laughs> any semblance of who I was going to try and be, thankfully, was abandoned in that moment. And it didn't take me too long to realize that actually who God had called me to be in this role, in this season, needed me to be all of who I was, which was excitable and a bit talkative and because that's what I needed in order to be in relationship with young people. And being cool, thank goodness, was not a requirement. Otherwise, I would have had no hope. And I wonder, as I say that, if you can relate yourselves. Is there something about who you are that you sometimes think, I just need to be less that? You know, maybe for you it's not desperate, like for me it's about finding a place to belong, molding myself into who I need to be in the place that I'm in so that I can be accepted. Maybe it's not that for you. Maybe for you it's about achieving something specific. Maybe for you, it's about having a particular sized family or, or achieving some sort of role in your work. Maybe you don't fear being rejected, but you do fear being controlled or having other people's opinions asserted or pressed upon you. I would love to tell you that because of that precious moment nine years ago when I realized that who I am was good enough, I never had any insecurities ever again. But thanks, Josh. <laughs> Josh, my boss. <laughs> um, uh, but no, that's not true. And that's okay because I'm a human being and I'm not perfect. But I do wonder if we're living in this world where we're supposed to be Christians and we're supposed to have an identity in Christ, how are we gonna action that out when we're also in a world that is impressing upon us expectations to be something that the world wants us to be? How do we keep the main thing the main thing? Well, firstly, I wanna tell you that we are all fit for purpose. You are designed, created, thought of. In Genesis 1 verse 28, it says something incredible. It says, God said, let us make mankind, humankind, in our image, 
in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. And so then God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And he said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. In Genesis, at the very start of scripture, we are provided with a blueprint of how we should define ourselves. Quick theological lesson for you here. Where it says mankind, or humankind is a more appropriate term, that word in Hebrew is Adam, which is also the name for the first man that was created, Adam. And in Genesis 2-4, we meet Adam and Eve, the first family, and, and then they make some really silly decisions and they get separated from God, and, and so then we have humanity in this constant back and forth of how we connect with God and how we get back into relationship with Him and all of that kind of thing. But at the very beginning, before we have Adam and Eve, we have Adam, which is a prop, no, a common noun. <laughs> this is where my grammar, I was never good at this part in English. But basically, a, a common noun is a, is a prototype, it's a group of people. So when God says, let us make mankind, let us make Adam in our own image, he's not talking about the individual Adam, he's talking about all of humankind. All of us, every human being that walks the earth is made in the image of God. And what does that mean? It means that we are to reflect who God is. God, the God of justice and mercy. God who loves unconditionally. God who creates, God who leads, God who loves, God who is kind, God who is faithful. These are the things that we are to aspire to be. He has provided us with a blueprint. So in theory, it should be that simple. Okay, this is who I'm gonna be, great, done, right? Everybody happy? But it's not, because we live in a broken world filled with broken things that are not of God and they are constantly battling for our attention, taking us away from this blueprint that God has created. So how do we keep the focus? How do we make sure that we are constantly reminding ourselves that we are fit for purpose? It's all well and good in principle. You know, I've known Jesus since I was seven and I've had a love for the Bible pretty much ever since then. So in theory, I have everything at my hands to be somebody who is not insecure or not unsure of who they are. And yet, at various points through my life, I've had to make really intentional choices to choose the blueprint that God has put over me rather than the blueprint of the world. So how do we do it? The answer is that we do turn to scripture. And thankfully, God has provided us with reminders, encouragements, and lessons so that we can build a life that looks like this blueprint he's given us. In fact, when Paul says in the New Testament, imitate me as I imitate God, uh, Christ, he's reminding us that Jesus lived, right? Jesus was a human being that lived on the earth and as a result has provided us with a practical example of how to be like God. So what I'm gonna do now with the help of the Devil Wears Prada is provide you with two suggestions as to how I think that you can be more like the image of God. 
And I don't profess to be an expert on all things Image of God because this is a journey that we're all on. But I do believe that when we prioritize the scripture as the filter that we see things through, change comes in a really good way. Right? Okay, so the first suggestion that I have for you is to curate your life well. Proverbs 27 verse 19 says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Sometimes when I read Proverbs, I feel like it's punching me in the gut. It's just straightforward. What you prioritize in your life reflects what you care about the most. It's true for the way you spend your money, it's true for the people that you hang out with, the jobs that you choose, the time, how you spend your time. All of these things will be a reflection of what you care about the most. You know, Jesus was incredibly intentional about the way that he curated his life. He had a very particular close group of friends. He could have chosen to spend time with the scholars and the priests, but instead he spent his time with the poor and the needy. He was Jewish and he could have spent his time with the, the leaders of that group of people, but instead he hung out with other races who were considered to be lesser or even untouchable. When he sent his disciples out in Matthew 10 to go and be his hands and feet across the world, he told them to be like him. He reminded them that they needed to heal the sick, that they needed to raise the dead and cast out demons. Jesus had a plan and Jesus' whole life reflected what he prioritized the most. So Andy has had a makeover. And obviously, that means that she's immediately become brilliant at her job. And we can take a look from this montage to see how well that is going for her. Now she's loved, and it's fine, because she's wearing good clothes. As a side note, I just have to say that I was very, his, uh, very like heavy, heavily influenced by this movie in 2006. In fact, it actually ended up being a core part of what I would consider to be the foundation of who I am as a person in some ways. Uh, let, let me show you what I mean. I have a picture of me. It's a collage. <laughs> Hats. Did you see all the hats in the montage? She wore a lot of hats. And I realized if Anne Hathaway can wear hats, so can Sarah Hewitson. <laughs> Thankfully, and, and I don't mean this arrogantly, but I am, I'm a hat person, it, it works. Sometimes I can look like a 12-year-old boy if my hair is too short, 
But um, for the most part, this has become a, like a genuine core part of who I am and my fashion sense is hats because of Anne Hathaway and her little movie montage. And so I just wanted to remind you that you can easily be influenced by the smallest of things if you're not careful. And sometimes it's a good thing, like I think the big white hats, solid. And then sometimes, <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll leave you to decide which ones you think are good and which ones are bad. <laughs> As the movie goes on though, Andy is not just changing her outfit. We can get rid of this. Let's not distract people with that. <laughs> As the movie goes on, um, Andy doesn't just change her look, but she starts to change from the inside as well. In fact, her friends notice that her work starts to take priority over everything, her relationship, her friendships, even the career that she's supposedly looking for. Eventually, we reach a climactic moment for her in the movie. Miranda has asked her if she will come to Paris for Fashion Week instead of Emily, the other assistant. But it's Andy's job to tell Emily that she's not gonna be coming anymore. So the question is, is Andy gonna throw away her integrity to get ahead in the work, or is she gonna stand steadfast in who she is as a person and maybe get fired as a result? Well, she makes a choice. She decides to go to Paris. And as a result, everything else in her life starts to unravel. Let's take a look at this clip too. Hey, Andy. Andy. Andy, what the hell is wrong I, with I you? I didn't have a choice, okay? I, Miranda asked me and I, I couldn't say no. I know, that's I, your answer for everything lately. I didn't oh, have a choice. Hey, like this job was forced hey, on you. Like I you don't make these decisions okay. yourself. You're mad because I work late all the time and because I missed your birthday party, and I'm sorry. Come on, what, what am I for? You, you hate Runway and Miranda, and you think fashion is stupid. You've made that clear. Andy, I make port wine reductions all day. I'm not exactly in the Peace Corps. You know, I wouldn't care if you were out there pole dancing all night, as long as you did it with a little integrity. You used to say this was just a job. You used to make fun of the Runway girls. What happened? Now, now you've become one of them. That's absurd. Hey, that's okay, that's fine. Just own up to it. And then we can stop pretending like we have anything in common anymore. You don't mean that. <laughs> no, I do. Well, maybe this trip is coming at a good time. Maybe we should take a break. No, in case you were wondering, the person whose calls you always take, that's the relationship you're in. I hope you two are very happy together. Hello, Miranda. Andy has curated a life now where the things that used to be priorities for her no longer have pride of place. She's lost sight of who she was looking to become, of what she was hoping to achieve, of who she is as a person. All under the guise that she didn't have a choice. But she did have a choice. And so do we.
We have choices to make every single day, big or small. We choose the job that we're gonna take or not take because it does or doesn't move us in the direction for our career. We walk away from things that feel good in the moment but we know are gonna separate us from God or from the things that are important to us. We don't have the snack in the middle of the night that we know will be delicious for at least 15 minutes because we know that it's gonna give us a sugar spike and then we won't sleep. We make that mature decision, hypothetically, all the time. Big decisions, small decisions, all of them make a difference to the shape that we are building our lives around. And we need to be seeing that life and making those decisions through the blueprint that we are made in the image of God, that our lives should reflect the image of God. The challenge for us as believers is to say no to the other blueprints that may be placed upon us, impressed on us by the world around us, to keep the main thing the main thing. The final act of the movie sees Andy and Miranda in Paris. She has the time of her life. She has a little fling with a photographer dude. It's another story, it's not relevant. Um, <laughs> and then there's a surprising twist. Spoiler alert, but this movie is from 2006, so I don't feel too bad. Basically, Andy realizes that there are people in the fashion industry who are trying to usurp Miranda's position as editor-in-chief. And so she tries her best to let Miranda know so that she can stop it from happening in any way she can. But, dun, 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 it turns out that Miranda knew. And as a result of knowing this information, she threw another friend under the bus, took an opportunity away from them to ensure that she could retain her seat as editor-in-chief of Runway Magazine. Andy is not impressed. In fact, this is turning her life upside down, as we will see in this final clip. But I was very, very impressed by how intently you me. I never thought I would say this, Andre. But I really... I see a great deal of myself in you. You can see beyond what people want and what they need, and you can choose for yourself. I don't think I'm like that. I... what you did to Nigel Miranda, I couldn't do something like that. You already did. To Emily. That's not what I... No, that, that was different. I didn't have a choice. Oh, no, you chose. You chose to get ahead. You want this life? Those choices are necessary. But what if... This isn't what I want. I mean, what if I don't want to live the way you live? Oh, don't be ridiculous, Andrea. Everybody wants this. Everybody wants to be us.
Andy finally realizes she's been making the wrong choice. She finally decides to stand up for what she believes in and who she is. She throws a phone in a fountain, which I think is a waste of resources. She could have sold that or used it, changed her number. But anyway, dramatic flair. The point is she's realized that she was making choices and now she's decided to choose differently. And this leads me to my final suggestion for you with regard to how you can live in the blueprint that God has created you to be. You can change, but if you change, change for him and not for them. The lesson today is not don't change. We need to change, we have to grow. We learn things that are new all the time. We wanna be the better version that God has called us to be. But the why behind our change needs to come from who God is asking us to be, not what the world is expecting from us. Paul says in Romans 2 verse 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now we actually know that God's will is for us to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth, to reign and rule in his stead. So how we outwork that differs from person to person because God has created each of us individually and intimately. Change is a good thing when we're doing it for the right reasons. At the start of this year, I did something called 75 Hard. It's a 75-day discipline challenge that focuses on healthy eating, extensive exercise, drinking lots of water, and reading books. And basically, you have to follow seven rules every day, and if you don't do any of the rules on any given day, you either give up or start again for 75 days. I'll tell you right now, if I had failed, I would not have started again, because 75 is enough, and I can't imagine doing more. It was hard. But the reason that I did it was because at the end of 2022, I realized that I was falling back into some old patterns. I was curating my life around making sure that I was always available, always saying yes, always trying to be who people needed me to be. And I was putting second the things that were actually important in my life. My health journey, my studies, my relationship with God. I was getting so worried about losing my place in the world that I had created that I was prioritizing that place over the blueprint. So I did 75 hard because I felt like it was gonna be a bit of a circuit breaker for me. It takes a lot of time, and so whether I liked it or not, it was gonna have to be prioritized over other things. And can I tell you, at the end of that 75 days, the biggest thing that really hit me was that not much of my life had actually changed. You know, I didn't lose any friends because I was not always absolutely 100% available. My work didn't suffer because I decided to have healthy boundaries with how much I worked and what I said yes to and what I said no to. I didn't enjoy my life less because I chose to go to bed on time instead of watching Netflix or saying no to extensive social engagement so that I could prioritize my working out. The things that mattered the most stayed. And I also realized that the pressure to be present and available and ready and always saying yes, that wasn't coming from the people around me who love me. That wasn't coming from God. That was coming from an insecure part of me that belonged way in the past. Because as a new creation in Christ Jesus, as somebody who's been made in the image of God, I don't have to live according to those things. And I know that we all have these things. 
the thing that re-emerges itself. Sometimes when we think we're doing our best, it's like the enemy wants to remind us that we're not perfect, that we haven't made it. And we can feel like we've lost sight of who we are or that we need to become something different in order to make sure that we fit. But it's in those moments that we have to remember the blueprint. You are created in the image of God, in his likeness. Jesus, as he walked the earth, reflected what it means to be made in the image of God. Jesus was the living example and continues to be in heaven, the living example of love and compassion, of boldness and servant leadership, of sacrifice. Because God loved us so much that he was willing to give his own son so that we could be in relationship with him, so that we could live a life that reflects him day to day. As we close, I wanna ask you this question again. What's that thing for you? What's the thing that separates you from being who God is calling you to be? We're gonna to stand together and I encourage you in all locations to stand now. We're gonna go back into worship in a second. And as we do, I want you to take this opportunity to put it before God. Maybe it's just putting it before God again. Maybe this is something, a journey like me that you've been on for a while and every now and then it just raises its ugly head and distracts you from what God is calling you to do. But we do not have to live distracted or unsure. We can make a choice every day to live like we have been created in the image of God. You have that choice to see your life through that blueprint to make decisions that are gonna be good for you, for your future, for your family, but that ultimately are there to glorify God. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you that you have created each and every one of us for a purpose. I thank you that you do not ask us to become a certain thing or to look a certain way or to do a certain job but that when we fix our eyes on you and live our lives through the blueprint that you have given us right at the beginning, that we can be in relationship with you, that we can be close with you, Lord. And for those who are standing here now, I pray, God, that you will bring to mind that which distracts us so that we can compare it to this blueprint that you have given us and disregard it and fix our eyes back on you. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the C3 podcast. This message has spoken to you today in some way. We would love to know. Reach out to us at hello at the C3.uk. And if you want to extend the reach of what we do here, why not consider giving by going to the C3.uk forward slash giving. And as always, subscribe to our channel and share this episode with a friend. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.